Well, how's everybody tonight? How many had a good day? Bad day. Oh, we got a bad day back there. Must be a bad day because he's been up here and now he's way back there. Huh? Oh, man. How many had just an okay day? A few okay days. All right. Hey, good to see everyone back. We uh, dismissed last Wednesday night. I'm not 100% sure we should have, but we aired on caution, and uh, it was nice to be snug as a bug in a rug last Wednesday night. I know that. Uh, I did know. I did tell my staff. I said, you know, the, you know, the faithful few are going to come. Why don't we just stay home with the rest of them? So uh, actually, we looked at the, at the weather, and it was just kind of iffy, and so, hey, we just called it, and I hope that was okay, but if it wasn't, well, we're back, aren't we? <laughs> All right, okay, so we're talking about love your marriage, right? I'm trying to help us out with our marriage, and some good stuff, hopefully you're gaining some uh, information and some help, and it's helping you, and If not, well, hang on. There'll be some good stuff before it's all over. I think we have, we're going to go ahead and make up that week from last week, so we have an extra week, so I think we have maybe three after this one or something like that, but um, next week, uh, some really, really good stuff in it, and hopefully some good stuff in tonight's. I I just was really toying with the idea of putting the two together uh, because I wasn't sure there was enough enough for tonight in this lesson, but then too much when you put the two together, so I, I kind of figure out people would rather you be a little short than a little long. All right, and who knows, I might hit my stride, and, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's start with prayer. How about that? Father, we thank you for the opportunity of being here tonight. Thank you for these that have gathered again tonight. Lord, we just pray that you'll help us to glean uh, tonight some principles, some help. Father, just uh, uh, help us, Father, in this, uh, this thing called marriage. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking about the fact right now that a wife's number one need from her husband is what? Love. And a husband's number one need from his wife is respect. And we've already talked about how husbands can better love their wives. So thank you, ladies, for coming back and uh, not picking on you. Remember, it was turned around the the other way for a couple of weeks. So now we're talking about how wives can better respect their husbands. We're getting some of this, especially these uh, couple lessons here from this book by... Uh, Dr. Uh, Emerson Egerich's Love and Respect. And he uses uh, an acrostic to demonstrate to the wives how to show respect to their husbands. And the word that he chose is the word chairs, C-H-A-I-R-S. David Jackson said it should be the word thrones. I guess he thinks he's the king of his castle. And uh, glad you're still around with us, David. All right, let's review the first two letters of this word that we talked about last Wednesday. Perhaps there's someone that ha- wasn't there for that, and but it'll also kind of get us going and remind us of 
of what we're talking about. For the letter C, he uses the word conquest. Conquest. God made man, talking about the male species now, he made the male, he made the man to work. God has all, our work has always been a part of God's plan for the man. Uh, it's interesting, if you've ever thought about it, think about this. Before God gave man a wife, he first gave him a job. Created the garden and put man in the garden and gave man responsibility over the garden. And so before God, and then God made the woman. So, so before God gave man a wife, he first gave him a job. Ladies, make sure your man has a job before you marry him. Thought I'd throw that in. Fact of the matter is, man gets his self-esteem from what he does. In fact, man and men are so driven in their work that they can hardly separate who they are from what they do. And a wife must understand how important her husband's work is to him. So if she uh, acts uninterested or less enthusiastic about her husband's job or, or, God forbid, she makes light of what he does, he will be offended. He will feel unimportant. He will feel disrespected. So she must show appreciation for what he provides and under no circumstance compare what someone else has with what she has or what she doesn't have. Never, ever compare his job to someone else's job. Because if she does, he'll feel inferior. Uh, He'll feel disrespected. He'll feel as if he has failed. So she must communicate to him that she believes in him, believes in his ability to provide for their family. Yes, it is true. The male ego is very fragile and must be stroked on a regular basis. Because inside of every man is still a little boy that is looking for and in need of approval. He's still looking up into the stands, looking for dad, looking for dad's approval. And especially if he didn't receive it from his father. So comparing and complaining will totally crush his ego and make him feel like a failure and less of a man. So ladies, be very, very careful with your man. Amen? If you encourage him, if you build him up, if you show him respect, he will love you, he will cherish you, he will take care of you, and he will excel as a provider and a protector. If you tear him down, he'll probably... Live up to your low expectations of him. For the letter H, Dr. Egricks uses the word hierarchy. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. It says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, this word submit in the Greek means to rank under. It means to place under. It's not that the wife is the servant of her husband. She is not. But he does have a higher rank in the family order according to Scripture. Now, you can decide whether you want to live according to Scripture or you want to live according to society. Because the two shall not meet. I would encourage you to ignore society and live according to Scripture. According to Scripture, the wife submits to the husband. Not his servant, but he has a higher rank in the family order. The rank of our, I said it last week, it's not so much in importance, but in responsibility. Responsibility. Was the husband's responsibility to be the leader of the family. Who's the leader of the family? And he should take the lead in every area. It's his responsibility to provide the finances for the family. It's his responsibility to get up early in the morning, go out and kill something, and drag it home to feed his family. Fellas, if you don't want to do that, then just stay single. But it's your responsibility. That doesn't mean the wife can't work. doesn't mean the wife shouldn't work. It just means the husband has the greater responsibility in this area. He should lead in disciplining the kids. Doesn't mean the wife shouldn't discipline the kids, but the husband should lead in disciplining the kids. But ladies, don't make him to be the bad guy. Don't make him out to be the bad parent. Don't say, wait till your daddy gets home. It's a shared responsibility, but dad should lead in the discipline of the kids. He should be the leader in making major decisions. That being said, he should consider his wife's thoughts and feelings. He should lead in spiritual matters. Boy, I could ride that horse. That that seldom happens. Now, a wise husband will consult his wife and value her opinion on all matters. And he will understand the value of her input. He will understand that she's going to see this thing from a whole different perspective. And not one right and one wrong. It's usually somewhere in the middle. Usually his logic and her intuition. Those two things together. What a team. What a team. God knows what he's doing. He knew, that right? He knows what he's doing. Husbands, step up and lead. When a wife will not allow her husband to lead or won't follow his lead, her husband will feel disrespected. And I'm going to say something you're not going to like, and that's fine. 
correct it the next time you teach your marriage class. But a wife should allow her husband to lead even if she doesn't agree with where he's leading them. So long as it isn't unethical, immoral, or unlawful. In these instances, she should follow the laws of God's word over her husband's leadership. And that's found in Acts 5 and 29. It says we should obey God over any human authority. A wise wife will share her thoughts, her feelings, and her opinions. And then she will tell her husband she trusts his leadership. Say a couple of practical things. Husbands and wives should never disagree in front of the children. Have your little powwow somewhere. Bring out the boxing gloves if you need to. I'm kidding about that, literally. My wife and I, we never argue, but we do have intense fellowship sometimes. Never in front of the children. When we're in front of the children, we're, we are a team. We're united. We're together. We don't tell them different things. Never disagree in front of the children. Never disagree in public. Have a united front. And don't allow the kids to play you and pit one against the other. They'll do that. All right, let's move on in our acrostic of the word chairs. As the wives learn how to respect their husbands, also we're throwing in some good stuff to kind of balance it out too, aren't we ladies? I'm trying to anyway. All right, for the letter A, he uses the word authority. Authority. And this goes hand in hand with the last letter of the acrostic. One wife said, she said, I I want my husband to be the head of our home. I want him to be the leader. I just want to make sure that he makes decisions in keeping with what I want. One man said, "I'm, I'm the head of my house, but my wife is the neck that turns my head. One man said, I run things around my house. I run the vacuum cleaner, and I run the dishwasher, and I run the washing machine. Wives must be careful not to manipulate their husbands into making the decisions they want them to make. Using sex or tears or pouting or constant complaining or cleverly devising a plan that tricks their husbands into doing what they want them to do. The Bible says that manipulation is witchcraft. And witchcraft is sin. So don't be guilty of that, ladies. Now, ladies... Wives, there's nothing wrong with telling your husbands what you want. There's nothing wrong with telling your husband which direction you think you ought to take and what you think you ought to do. There's nothing wrong with telling him that you disagree with his thinking, and there's nothing wrong with offering an alternate idea. And husbands, we are wise if we listen to our wives and think through their ideas and carefully consider them. 
But ladies, when all is said and done, if your husband chooses to lead you in a direction that you don't agree with, once you have put on your case and done it in a godly manner, you must yield to his authority in the home, according to Scripture. And if he turns out to be wrong, you must not gloat. Or say, I told you so. Or put him down or belittle him in any way. Because his number one need is what? See, he already knows he blew it. That, that's the thing I just really despise on teams, like a baseball team, you know. Shortstop lets the ball go through his legs. And everybody on the team's yelling at him, you know, screaming at him. Whatever. No one feels worse on that team than that shortstop. Nobody. And it ain't helping anything to tell him how bad a play that he made. How about a little encouragement instead? And ladies, how about a little encouragement? Nobody feels worse. If he makes bonehead play, if he messes up, if he makes a bad decision, if he ignores your advice, does something, messes something up. I told you, Shaw, why didn't you listen to me? If you just listened to me, it wouldn't have happened. He knows he blew it. He knows he messed up. He feels bad about it. He's on the bottom. Don't kick him when he's down. Doesn't need you telling him. He needs you to reassure, he needs you to reassure him that he's still a man. You're down, but you're not out. And even if he struck out, tell him, get back up to the plate and keep swinging. Let him know that you believe in him. You believe in his ability to lead his family. He might have failed, but he is not a failure. And husbands, you must not take advantage of your authority. You must not lord it over your wife. You must not... Or you must consider her feelings. You must consider her thoughts. You must consider her ideas. You must see your authority as greater responsibility, not greater importance. You're not more important than her. You just have greater responsibility. Wives, You make your husband feel respected when, number one, you let him know it's comforting to you to know that you can lean on him. You'll make him feel respected when you you thank him for leading your family. He'll feel respected when you praise him when he makes a good decision. He'll feel respected when you are gracious and kind when he makes a bad decision.
You'll make him feel respected when you only disagree with him in private and stand with him in public. And you'll make him feel respected when you never make your disagreements with him feel like a personal attack. And you'll make him feel respected when you never try to manipulate him. For the letter I, Dr. Egricks uses the word insight. Insight. A wise woman will see in her man what others see in him. Let me read a little bit from this book. It says, she had little or no respect for her husband. Behind his back, she constantly put him down, mocking him and making fun of his ideas and opinions. One day while shopping, she thought it would be interesting to stop in at his office just to see where and how he worked. So she called him on her cell phone and said, well, and he said, well, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, but, but come on by. When she got there, he was indeed busy. And she had to wait a few minutes to, as he dealt with various people. From where she sat, she couldn't help but see that her husband's co-workers gave him high respect. So did his boss and his attractive young secretary. Then an older man came to see her husband. Obviously someone who was more experienced with the company, but still worked under him. She didn't, didn't exactly know why, but her stomach churned a little when she heard the older man say to her husband, yes, sir. Then his secretary came by to give him some papers, and, and she felt shame and a little fear as she saw how this classy young woman looked up to her husband and how she admired him. Finally, she had a chance to visit her husband, but she quickly cut it short and said goodbye and told him she would see him that evening. She made it to the car, got in, and burst into tears. She thought of all the times that she had put him down and made fun of him behind his back. Then it hit her. She didn't respect him because of his... No, let me... No. And then it hit her. She didn't disrespect him because of his actions toward her or because he was a lousy husband, she realized the real problem was that he wasn't what she wanted him to be. This woman had been missing at least two things about her husband. Number one, he had a lot of ability and insight she was ignoring to her loss. Number two, he wanted the same kind of respect at home that he received at work. Dr. Egricks writes, he says, this kind of wife is not unique. I've talked to many just like her. She thinks her husband is, has little to teach her, little wisdom to share about much of anything. After all, she believes she is the one that has to run the house, run, raise the children, make the decisions. 
When this kind of wife attends one of our love and respect conferences or reads some of our materials, it is not unusual for the scales of disrespect to fall from her eyes. Here's what's sad. We often have what we always wanted, but we don't know or we have forgotten that we have it. I'd love to go away for a week or two. I'd love to go away so I can come back. And honestly, I enjoy coming back if I've been gone long enough. I don't want to lie here. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> Starting to say almost as much, but I mean, come on. But it helps to go away, doesn't it? I love to go away so I can come back. And every time I go away, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth, I'm reminded of what I have once I return. See, we're often too close to something to really see it for what it is. And that across the board, whether it be your wife, your husband, whether it be your job, whether it be your home, whether it be your family, whatever it might be. Often what we see around us every single day, we see as ordinary, common, no big deal. We tend to take it for granted, no matter how good it is. How good it is. Only when we go away for a while, or only after it's taken away from us, or only after we lose it, we go away for a while, we come back, and we see with fresh eyes. Or when we are away, we see how it is other places and we remember how it is back home for us and we, we appreciate what we have more. Too many spouses take their mate for granted. Because of familiarity, they see their spouse as ordinary, common, nothing special. Somebody said you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. You don't appreciate the electricity till they, the storm knocks it out. You don't appreciate water till you're really thirsty. You don't appreciate what you have until you don't have it anymore. I remember several years ago now, another church that I pastored, there was a certain man in the church. And he was my thorn in the flesh. He was my problem child. He was a problem. There's one in every church, usually two or three. Nothing pleased him. Come complaining all the time. Just a royal pain. Well, the Lord led us out of that church to another church. Fast forward a few years, and 
I was preaching a meeting in a church nearby. This man, along with a whole host of people from my former church, in fact, they packed a big old bus full of people and brought them to the meeting. And this very man, this very man, who was my thorn in the flesh, this very man that caused me the most problems of anybody in the church, after church, he grabbed me and hugged me, looked me in the eye, and he said, you're the best preacher we ever had at our church. You don't miss the water till the well runs dry. Don't miss, you don't understand what you have until you don't have it anymore. Need to learn to appreciate what we have, amen? Let me tell you, wives, that there are other women out there that think your husband is handsome. And they think he's funny. And they think he's wise. And they think he's knowledgeable. And they think he's a real catch. What if you started noticing how other people treat your mate? How they respect them and their opinions. How they look up to them. Maybe you ought to borrow somebody else's eyes to look through. Maybe you ought to borrow someone else's ears to hear through. Wives, you can show your husband respect by valuing, valuing their opinions, listening to their wisdom, seeing them as successful and worthy of your respect. Hey, if they hold a position at work, if they are respected at church, if they are respected among their peers, maybe you didn't land too bad a catch after all. Hey, hey, you did choose them. You did choose them. Remember? You had a choice, and you chose them. Maybe you might need to take a walk down memory lane and reminisce about the attributes that drew you to them in the first place. Because those attributes are probably still there. And perhaps everyone can still see them. Everyone but you. Maybe the everydayness of life has fogged up your glasses where you can't see them clearly. Maybe you need to take off your glasses and clean them and put them back on and see your mate in a different light. It's sad, but too often we, uh, we tend to concentrate on that one or two things that just irritate us about somebody. And you know what? If we looked hard enough and deep enough in every life, there's one or two things in every one of us that could be irritating. And too often we concentrate on that one or the two things that irritate us about someone, and yet there are a dozen things we like. Yeah, there's one or two negatives in there about them. Well, yeah, it's called being human. One or two negatives, but, but a dozen or two positives, but where do we tend to focus? On those one or two negatives. 
A wise woman will focus on the positives of her husband. She will say to herself, if other people seem to respect my husband and look up to him and even go to him for advice and counsel, maybe I ought to be proud of him too. I should look up to him. I should give him the respect that others seem to give him. I can tell you, ladies, that if you'll, if you'll make your man feel respected, if you'll give him the respect that he needs, he'll do backflips for you. He'll, he'll, he'll live up to your treatment of him. He'll nearly kill himself to keep from disappointing you. I've said it over and over in this class. I'll continue to say it, and that is men and women are polar opposites. They're... Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. The two become one. The problem arises when they try to decide which one. (laughs) But it's not him or her, it's now them. It's no longer you or me, it's now we. It's no longer him or her, it's them and us is far better than you or me because the truth of the matter is both husband and wife have unique gifts to bring to the team and they both have weaknesses and the good news is God puts opposites together so often and so where I'm weak my wife is strong where and vice versa we make a great team And that's what marriage is all about, being a team. It's about a partnership. It's about being partners in life, partners in every area. One is not better than the other. Both are different. Both have different ranks. Both have different positions. Both have different roles to fill, but they're both equally important, and they make an incredible, incredible, incredible team. So learn to appreciate your differences. Learn to appreciate your uniqueness. Learn to understand each other's specific and very different needs. And this is where I thought I'm going to do both of them, but I'm not going to. We're going to stop right here. A little short tonight, but better short than long. Because the next two letters, we're going to talk about them next Wednesday night. Both of them are so, so important, and there's so much meat in, those, uh, in that lesson next Wednesday night, so I don't want to shortchange that at all. But we're going to stop right here. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Father, just take these few words that we've shared tonight. Father, help us, Father, to, to not just hear, but also to heed. God, I pray for any marriage, Lord, represented here tonight that might be in trouble. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll put, Lord, in in both husband and wife a desire to make this work, a desire to make this better. Help them to be willing to work through the difficulties. Help them to understand if they will work through the difficulties, they'll come out on the other side eventually. And they'll be glad they stuck with it. Just give them what they need to continue. Help every marriage 
Help us be what you want us to be and what you've called us to be. Help us not to listen to society. Help us not to go the way of society, but help us to practice the principles of Scripture. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.